like I, okay, you know when I found. think we deserve that? I actually think we deserved that on March sixteenth, twenty twenty. You're not wrong. Mm, I rarely am. Good lord! People listening are like, she's wrong always, <laughs> every, every keep day. Your, keep your opinions <laughs> to yourself, Wolfpack. Or tell us about it discreetly on Twitter. Uh, it's never very discreet. It's either like a DM that's like, hey, and I'm like, oh, God. Or just a tweet that's like, hey, and I'm like, at mm. least you had the balls to do it publicly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really do feel like most of my opinions on MTV's Teen Wolf are right. Are right. Yeah. Or at least I have the authority to say so. Because I'm saying it on my podcast, the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And uh, we're podcasting uh, for the second day in a row. I feel great. Do you? No. No, I feel like shit. (laughs) Well, the podcasting has absolutely nothing to do with me feeling like garbage. I have just worked. I have already worked like 45 hours this week and it is Thursday. So you guys can do the math that I can't do in my head and figure out that I've been working a lot of overtime. Yes. And then I I just feel like this was um, the worst time to introduce a two times a week schedule. Um, given that we both just started new jobs. We didn't but know that we that had was no idea. No. And we were committed to the concept. I'm, I, we commit, we double fucking down here at the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf. Yes, that's what we believe in. Although I guess doubling down would be recording four times a week, which nobody wants. Absolutely. No, thank you. This is not the daily. No. Oh, the daily is crazy. Isn't it so weird how we all just welcome Michael Barbaro to ruin our fucking lives every morning? I'm Michael Barbaro. I was listening to the, um, there was an episode I think on Tuesday about like how long the Iraq war has been going on and I had to turn it off. It upset me so much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but he, I don't know if you want, if you want daily podcasts, go listen to the daily, but if you want Teen Wolf, you're in the right place. I think I'm, I I actually <laughs> encourage you to listen to both. To do both, yeah. Listen to the world news, but also spend time thinking about garbage, bad teen TV shows. Because when the world news makes you want to cry, Teen Wolf makes you want to cry for a different, more cathartic reason. And that is what counts. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we all need to like you know like there's the good pain, the bad pain. Teen Wolf, good pain. Yes. State of the world. Bad. Very real bad pain that I am not processing correctly in the least. No, it's um, it's just it's all up there, and eventually we'll have to think about it. But today is not the day. No, nor will tomorrow be. No, tomorrow's vacation starts. Ding ding. This weekend is Memorial Day. Party time. Are you going to be doing any partying? I am going to my grandparents' home. <laughs> Sounds lit. Hey. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming there will be a cookout of some kind. But Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm headed home, so. Nice. Yeah. Lakes. Sunsets. Beer. S'mores. <laughs> yeah, ooh, s'mores, yeah. I'm going to be up north, so I'm pumped. Mostly just pumped to sleep in, I think. Yes. Um, no obligations. No think. No think. Just lakes. <laughs> no think, just vibes. Yeah, no think, just vibes. That's what you want out of Memorial Day, you know? That's what I want out of pretty much every vacation. No think, just vibes. Yeah. Vibe, well, so, you know, with so, some culture. So, yeah, culture and fun, you know? Culture and vibes. This, But this one has no, no culture. I no. mean... Up north is a culture. I don't need to learn it though. This is just about me hanging with Adirondack. <laughs> I want to sit in an Adirondack chair. I want to eat a hot dog. 
I want to feel weirdly American, even though I feel weird about that. Well, my grandparents um, live like right down the road from James Buchanan's house. James Buchanan, the second worst president of the United States now. Thank you. Um, um, but I've been there so many times. James Buchanan, famous for being gay and starting the Civil War. He also loved frogs. Good for him. So maybe we'll do that. <laughs> James Buchanan is what I would call bad LGBT <laughs> rap. Uh, but sometimes there's good LGBT rap, and sometimes it happens in Teen Wolf. And uh, not a lot in this episode, which is season five, episode five, called A Novel Approach. Yes, it was written by Angela Harvey and directed by Tim Andrew, Dream Team. Yeah. We liked it. I liked this episode. Um, we'll g- get into like the sort of technical stuff that I think we both liked about it, but first we have to do the 60-second recap. Are you ready? I'm a little, a little nervous. Oh, well. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't particularly feel bad for you because I also have to do it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. can't even sympathize at this point. It's just going to be like something you got to... This is a doggy dog world. Ouch. I was going to be like, <laughs> I just think it's something we both have to get through together, and then you... Yeah. I guess... <laughs> Okay, wow, friendship over. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so Styles and Donovan are having their confrontation in the library, and Donovan's telling Styles about how the sheriff put his dad in a wheelchair. Um, Donovan dies when the scaffolding falls down and he gets impaled. Styles calls 911, but um, they doesn't say anything and the cops think it's a prank Parrish is the one who takes the body someone breaks into the animal clinic to take tracy's body and um scott calls styles to like tell him that the bodies are being stolen styles lies to him being like oh i don't know that, what that's about everyone's trying to read the dread doctor's book um they think this is the first in the series scott smells blood in the library um and he's like letting theo in on the you know book and the dedication is dr valak and they're like oh we have to go to Eichenhaus. um styles insists on going with them and kira asks scott to look at her and he sees the kids in a and um he's like well i don't see anything but he tells um scott about he tells styles about kira and lucas and they argue over what's like real self-defense everybody has to take the stuff out of their pockets and style realizes that the pin for the scaffolding is still there um theo and malia are having like a moment in the library and he offers to give her a driving lesson scott and kira can't go into i can house because of the mountain ash um dr valak has experienced the dread doctors which is why he wrote oh, the book Oh, you are done my friend i'm like out of breath <laughs> Um, that, that's how it, it, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> Teen Wolf is both a marathon and a sprint. It's like a triathlon, <laughs> really. Yeah. And right now, I don't know. I feel like the hardest part of a triathlon is swimming. And that's where we're at. Yeah. It's also the, the swimming is also the shortest part of the triathlon. Because it's the hardest part of the triathlon. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I guess the hardest part is that you're swimming in open water often. Yeah open water i'm not afraid of open water which i know a lot of people are yeah but open, swimming in open water is like i don't love the concept well it's just hard mm-hmm. it's hard to do yeah dude the waves on lake michigan today were like seven feet high and all of them were white capping it was like oh the, we get like um you know small small craft advisories here so like if you have a yeah. boat don't go on it you could have you could have like because people wind surf all the time on the great lakes you could have mm-hmm. done actual surfing today wild you wouldn't have because you don't want to die. Well, it's so cold. It'll just <laughs> raise your boobs off. I mean, like, it's a, <laughs> it's May, so the water is still, like, 50 degrees. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, I'm sure that somebody tried it. But are you ready? Like that guy who goes surfing in Lake Superior and gets, like, the ice beard? Scary. But I'm, I guess what floats your boat, man? I mean, the people who live in the UP do as they do, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am not ready but I no. have a feeling that that doesn't matter. It sure doesn't, because um, I'm going to give you one minute on the clock starting right now. 
Okay, so Styles accidentally kills Jonathan and then checks the library and his body is gone. Wombomb's Kira speaks Japanese in uh, her sleep and then Scott's getting, got, Scott gets an alert from the animal clinic and says that the uh, body has been taken. Uh, Styles panics at his murder board like can't, can't figure out where, to, where the body has gone. Scott calls him and says that somebody has taken the bodies. Malia uh, gives the Dread Doctor's book to Lydia. Scott uh, smells blood in the library and is like, what the F? Scott asks Theo to help them and he points out the Dr. Valak thing. Um, figures out the book is dedicated to him. Uh, Theo warns the Dread Doctors that the, that the book has, the planning of the book has worked. Lydia and Styles fight about going to Eichenhaus. Scott looks... Um, at Kira with the wolf eyes and finds out that the fox is like totally going crazy. Scott tells Styles that Kira almost killed Lucas and is like, yeah, we don't kill people. And Styles is like, not even if it's bad. They gang meets a new, meaner, gayer, orderly at like an house who makes them leave their stuff at the door. Um, Theo sees Malia in the library and like is her driving lesson. The mountain ash is like piled up in the in Iken house so they can't go through. But Styles and Lydia talk to Valak and he says that the book is meant to make them remember the Dread Doctors. That's time. In exchange for the information, Valak gets uh, Lydia to scream into a tape recorder. Um, Kira's uh, Foxfire electricity messes with the security system at Iken House, so the Dread Doctors are able to break in and steal Valak's third eye. He's able to shatter his glass with the banshee scream and a paper cup. Science <laughs> scientists Science, are still confused. What? Um, and even though they all make it out okay, uh, Malia, while driving with Theo, has a flashback, a unlocks a trauma memory that tells her that the desert wolf is responsible for the crash that killed her parents. Dun, dun, dun. Her mom and her sister. Not her, her dad's still alive. Slash also Scott remembers um, telling Kira that he loves her. Oh, yeah, that too. And he's like, I meant it. A little sprinkle of fun in this really sad episode. Very dark. Dark, um, not in a way that I hate it. It's just in the way that I know that there's not going to be light on either side of this episode. I think that is what the worst part about season five is just sort of slogging through. Like, it feels like you're walking with waders through mud. Yeah, and there is no, there's no real thrill of, like, finally figuring out what is going on. Um, because even when it is all laid out for you, as it often is with all this expository dialogue, it still doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I'm also like, you're not even making it make sense. Like, well, it's weird because, you know, this podcast is about just extrapolating to its fullest extent. If they gave us less, it might make sense more. Yeah. I really think that they are trying to help us think more. If that makes sense. Like, I think they're trying to give us more. I think they're trying to. You don't need to, to help me. I'm constantly No, I got thinking. it. Like, I I'm, got it. I got it. I'm good. Less is more. I mean, typically I'm a more is more girl, but. Maximalism in this household. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, in this scenario, less is more. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Almost like there's a lot of truth in this episode. What a segue. Thank you. And we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of truth. What truth gets withheld, um, what truth is unveiled, um, what, you know, certain characters see as the truth as unreliable narrators. I think that there's a lot to, to break into. Uh, where would you like to start? Um, I kind of want to start with Theo and I guess also Malia. They're kind of a smaller part of the episode, but some crucial truths being revealed. Yeah. I mean, you know, now that we're really, really aware that. Theo is obviously working with the Dread Doctors, which we knew not the episode last, but the one previous. Mm -hmm. Um, We're starting to get a little bit more 
awareness to his involvement. And I think this is the first episode that sort of suggests that he's being used. Yeah. Because... Idiot. (laughs) Well, yeah, because up till now, Theo seems to have, like, a real sense of um, agency over himself. And um, I think it's clearer now that he kind of he like works for the dread doctors he's their employee yeah <laughs> uh, they don't offer sick leave no there's benefits no, there's no union no pto <laughs> um you gotta go to the eye doctor shit out of luck yeah <laughs> but they'll give you power eternal power it's like those companies who are like we don't offer dental but we do have pizza parties on friday and it's like please just offer me dental you can't see your family but there is a soda machine in the lobby for free yeah no you work 60 hours a week but there's a beer fridge and you're like so i work 60 hours (laughs) a week to what become an alcoholic this shit sucks ideally the answer would be that um you know you have a healthy work-life balance and a beer fridge yeah, but pork and Ellis dose. I don't think the dread doctors are on that. I don't no. think they know what a beer fridge is. No, no. I mean, they're. I mean, the dread doctors are ancient. They have no idea how work the workers' rights movement has progressed over these years. Which is funny because they're French. Yeah, the <laughs> the hub of workers' rights. The, anything could happen to the French, and they'd be like, "We're going on strike. <laughs> we are starting a riot." Yeah, not working today. No. Yeah. Um. They had to rebuild the streets of Paris so people would stop putting up barricades. That is an actual true fact about the architecture of the city. I believe that. Um, Anyway, so yeah, like Theo, who is not, he doesn't even, they don't even have dental. They don't even have dental. (laughs) Uh, Is being used, and I think that becomes true to the audience and not quite to Theo yet. Well, I think he still feels very in control. Um, he, it's hard to, to see yourself being manipulated. Um, Especially when you feel like what you're doing is for you, you know? I think that Theo is sort of basking in the minute amount of power that they've given him because it probably overshadows the complete lack of power he had in whatever previous life he has to the Dread Doctors. They don't tell us the backstory because Teen Wolf is garbage. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because the Dread Doctors clearly exist so far outside of reality that Theo is their real tie to the world. Um, And I think he gives that a little bit more importance than maybe it actually deserves. Yeah, I think I think so. And, um, you know, his sort of secondary task in this episode, besides to bait uh, everybody to going to Eichenhaus with the knowledge that Kira would disrupt the, to disrupt the telluric currents. Ley lines. Even easier. Um, and uh, he then sort of moves on to Malia, who discovers a really big truth in her life. Something that she didn't even really know she was looking for. And that's why I think it's hits her so hard. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting because either one of those truths makes cure, makes, um, Malia feel guilty. Yeah. Because on the one hand, if it is true that her transformation is what caused the crash and the death of her mother and sister, then that's literally Malia's fault. But on the other hand, if it is her birth mother, um, that's still her fault just by virtue of her being there and like her, her physical presence put her family in danger. So it's not a better truth. Um, well, I do think it's a better truth in that it frees her from the blame. 
you from know? The, the personal guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it, Malia has sort of resigned herself to thinking that she's evil, you mm-hmm. know, um, or believing that that's a part of her or a part of her that she has to den- like, you know, work actively to deny and to be opened up to the fact that that is a part of her that's actually been fabricated is deeply moving and almost upsetting in the way that it, the person to witness it is Theo who mm-hmm. has no, as we just discussed, no concept of actual truth. Um, I, but that it's all, it's almost also almost better because I think it is if styles or Scott or whoever had been there and she had been like, I figured it out. They would have been like, that's great. We knew you weren't evil because they're idiots. Yeah. But you all of a sudden have somebody who has no real concept or judgment of Malia and she's able to experience that earnestly. Yeah, she is not uh, in that moment because, of course, like truth is subjective um, and it's colored by your experiences um, and by the people around you. And so she kind of gets to experience that not not in a vacuum, but with someone who won't be like influencing her um, feelings and thoughts about the truth. Totally agree. You want to talk about Scott? Let's do it. Scott's a liar. Scott's a liar, and also, like, I know that we were talking about how we wanted him to be flawed in the last episode, but he's lying, again, based on his, like, the, his weird, like, morality crux. Um, and one, the, okay, I, 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 we keep going back, like, is Scott out of character, or is he too in character? Why would Scott keep information like that from Kira? Because it's not like he's being like, no, you look great in those jeans, which is a good lie. Mm -hmm. He's being like, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with the giant fox spirit possessing you. Don't you think she should know? Uh, yeah. I, and it's so, so weird because in the same breath, not in the same breath, but in the same episode, you know, he remembers saying I love you and affirms that and I think it's like so shitty to be like oh I I love you but I'm also gonna talk about you behind your back and not in like a oh I'm gossiping about you kind of way but I'm expressing my concerns that I have about you to someone else before I talk about it with you um it's really frustrating and it doesn't seem like something Scott would have done with Allison. Well, the annoying thing is, is I actually think that there's a part of it that would, I think he would seek advice from styles because he has often sought girl advice or whatever from styles because they have such a sort of, um, open relationship, but that's not what happens. Um, in this episode, you know, he doesn't say, what should I do about this? I'm worried about Kira. He is like, that's crazy. I just didn't tell her anything. Also, she almost killed someone, and if you, there's no, you know, lines. Like, the, 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 line, the line in the sand for killing people is, is hard and whatever. And Styles, mm-hmm. you know, obviously hasn't told anybody, which is, I think, the most compelling part of this episode. Hasn't told anybody. And hear Scott say that, and it honestly seems super out of pocket. Like, I, uh, It is, I mean, but it's like, it is similar to the refrain that we have heard before, which is that we're going to do our best to try and save people. But I do think that Scott has come a long way since then. And he has kind of seen the way that things play out in these life or death situations. Some people don't make it home. Yeah. Um, and I find it super weird. Not like you were saying, not that he would, um, 
talk to Styles about it, but that that he would be trying to keep Kira in the dark. We have also already learned what what the hell did fucking uh, Styles or whatever say to Liam? It's better when they know. It's better when they know. It's hasn't, always better when they know. Hasn't that been the thing about the last couple of seasons that is like opening yourself to the information like that surrounds you is always better to like let the people know what you're seeing. Yeah, that just felt so weird to me. And um, is it you know, a moment of, of untruth that I found super out of place for what we've seen, but it also like deeply affects like Kira's ability to understand herself. And like Kira, kind of moving into her, is trying to discover a truth that Scott is ultimately not assisting her in. Um, and also I think knows it deep down that there is something very, very wrong. And I have said this before. Like, I don't always think that it it's helpful to have people be like, no, I don't think it's always helpful to be affirmed. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I think it's, um, good to affirm that people are feeling some kind of way. Um, you know, like I, I can say that I get that you're hurting, but I also have to tell you, um, X, Y, Z. And I think the kindest thing to do in that moment with Kira is to tell her the truth. Um, because I think she's really wrestling with that. That's become such an issue with her internally. And she also doesn't have her mom for reasons unexplained. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I also think Scott kind of conflates like being perceived as good with actually being good. Yes. It's like, like he would actually, yeah, he would actually rather not hurt her feelings with the truth, um, than deny her the truth and make her feel better, I guess. It's so bizarre. Really weird. Um, and you know, Scott is also denying big truths to himself by kind of behaving that way. Like I think if he had her, I think that anybody who knows anybody as well as Scott knows Styles would hear Styles be like, really, there's no, um, there's no like leeway to hurting somebody when you're in danger. And this Scott, I know would be like, um, did something happen? Is something up? You know, and he's got, he's so, so firm in where he's standing these days because he, I get it. I get it. He's tired of losing people. Um, he's tired of seeing people go down wrong paths or whatever, but that is really strange to me. Not only that he denies other people the truth, but he cuts himself off from it as well. Yeah. It's really like he has learned nothing from previous experiences. Also, like, why are we all so able to forgive Scott, uh, to forgive uh, Chris and Allison mm-hmm. and, you know, Peter a million times over. And we all of a sudden are not going to be able to forgive Styles. You know, I mean, on the one hand, not to play devil's advocate, um, like I get that the relationship between Scott and Styles is far different from the relationship that everybody has with Peter. And largely Peter is there because he's useful. Um, but Allison... Yeah. Goes down this horrific villain path, mm-hmm. basically. And Scott forgives her because he loves her. And, you know, that's kind of positioned as it like Scott's love for Allison is like all encompassing. It it is more important than anything else. But I think the pre like the following seasons have shown us that like the only person uh who 
really takes that place in his life in addition to Allison is style. So it doesn't make any sense why that same courtesy would not be extended to his best friend. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to have to get more into this because this is only the sort of tip of the iceberg of this fallout. Um, because Scott eventually does learn the truth or what he perceives as the truth, because obviously it's being manipulated by Theo as we move on. Theo is yeah. the one to tell him, um, about what happens to Donovan in the library. And, um, you know, Styles is also denying Scott the truth, but for a reason that, um, is almost incalculable in, in how much more valid it is. Like I would, would you be able to like, let's move into styles. Like, would you be able to look at somebody and tell them that that had happened to you? Um, I don't think so. No. Um, and I mean, I huge props to Dylan O'Brien. I think this shining star of this episode, obviously by far spending so much time at the beginning of this episode, focusing on his reaction to that, especially again, to prove that like nobody takes a life, um, willy nilly, like nobody can do that and really walk away from it unless you are an act like an, actual psychopath mm-hmm. um and it, it d- reflects really badly on scott actually after we um see styles go through that and as he's like just having the absolute breakdown and wiping things off his murder board it occurs to me that like when you go through something truly traumatic truth is also subjective like styles is now trying to reframe what he thinks and believes for himself so as to best manage his discomfort in the situation and discomfort is a generous term it's obviously horrible Mm -hmm. um and that is when truth does become subjective and what you make it and that is really interesting that it ends up becoming what styles makes it because of scott's criticisms i think you're kind of getting at the like the glaring problem of the fact that styles is allowed to have depth. Like styles is allowed to feel these feelings, not allowed, but like it's written into his character and it's, you know, he has all of the time. I wouldn't say that that is a huge part of season one or two, but season three on. Yes. Yes. Um, whereas Scott, again, it feels really one dimensional for him not to give any kind of understanding. Um, and, It just feels like Styles feels and thinks so much more deeply about this, uh, about morality. And like, I don't, Scott has been responsible Mm -hmm. for people who have been seriously hurt before. And we don't really get those same kind of moments that we were getting with Styles at the beginning of this episode. No, I I actually think the closest we get is like Scott's, like we have like a, a scene of him really breaking down over Allison's passing. And that, and that's so not enough no. for that particular thing. And so I would almost say that Styles as a, as a character that lives in, in the truth, like has experiences the truth so much more wholeheartedly than, um, uh, Scott ever does. I, yeah, I would agree. I think, I think Scott is constantly trying to manipulate the circumstances to get to the version of the truth that he wants to see. Yeah. Versus Styles is just kind of living it. And I also think that it sounds like we are really shitting on Scott, like as a character. No, we love him. Yeah. Um, this really, but there is a, there is a degree to which when you live in this world, the real world or the supernatural world, you have to start not only like not making allowances for people, but understanding that like life more often than not life meets you rather it like you meeting life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I just kind of keep thinking like we, I feel like we talk about like prison abolition a lot on this podcast. Um, and about, you know, how humanely we need to treat people and like not, you know, judge them off their worst mistake or whatever. But even when I think about like the worst mistake, commentary i think that that's unfair because anybody can do anything on purpose and still deserve like respect and human dignity uh yeah i i would agree that's it says a lot about um like who we are as a collective group of people and then like to narrow it down to um teen wolf like what are the kind of communal rules that you're setting for each other and like what um not allowances but like what amount of empathy are you willing to extend? Yeah. Um, because I really am thinking like if Scott was in the room with styles where that, where he's having his breakdown, the reaction would not be the same. No. And the fact that he's just not being faced with understanding that styles is breaking down, like experiencing that truth, um, allows him to be sort of indignant and, um, you know, completely non understanding. And it and it is so weird that he doesn't take Styles' word for it. Yeah. Or again, like that's not that's not this episode. This episode, no. it's really weird that he doesn't key into something being wrong, especially after like two episodes ago. And Styles is like, "I know you read my chemo signals. I know you read my chemo signals. I know th- that whole scene when they're trying to fix the jeep, um, and Styles is like, "You trust too easily." Yeah. You trust too much. Like they have, this argument has been brewing and the fact that Scott is not picking up on it is weird. Yeah. Alien. Like not, he's not on the human plane right now. Yeah. Well, and, and the chemo signals thing. Yeah. There are a million and one jokes on Teen Wolf about people smelling bad because they're anxious. Like yeah. you couldn't have pulled one in for this episode. Yeah. And I keep thinking about how in that scene, and we didn't talk about it in that episode, but I want to talk about it now. In that scene, um, Scott takes Styles' pain after he slams his hand under the hood of the Jeep, mm-hmm. even though he's really mad at him. And I'm just kind of like, why is that the last we see of that version of Scott? Yeah. It's weird. Um, talking on Styles, I also want to talk about Lydia. And I want to talk about them together because ultimately sort of one of the greater truths of this episode and by greater I mean like more fulfilling for the the viewer is that Styles and Lydia still very much like love each other and this is talked about by Scott and Kira mm-hmm. um because obviously she w- Kira was not there for the 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 great studio of season three yeah um and sad but um it is interesting because it hasn't, I don't think been remarked upon by the characters um, since Styles and Malia have gotten together. Um, and the fact that they're kind of put into this situation now and like Scott is even talking about how they are a good team. And that is like a fundamental truth at the heart of Teen Wolf is that Styles and Lydia can figure anything out. Yeah. There's this smart. This so cute. This is smart. They get along so well. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Um, and also, and I think part of that really has to do with the, the whole, like Lydia is a banshee and then styles has this crazy mind that can like extrapolate really well, um, from certain like sets of data. And like, 
the thing about being a banshee, at least like as it's described from Lydia's perspective, is like you never really know what the truth is until you are confronted with, with it. it. I thought you were about to, it sounded like you were starting like some stand up comedy, but like the thing about being <laughs> a banshee. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with bananas? Um, yeah, I, it's just. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Like Lydia is, Lydia is always. Um, teetering on truth and when she finds it, it is devastating and styles is always searching for that truth regardless of whether or not it's devastating and they are a good team you know and he with that whole conversation they have in his bedroom about whether or not you know each either of them is going to go to Eichenhaus because again the last time they were there they were almost killed by what's his name Brunsky Brunsky yes Brunsky I almost said Grunsky Brunsky yeah you got who it. is also dead now He's dead. Um, it's Teen Wolf. They're all dead. It's Teen Wolf. You're dead and you're dead and you're dead and we're never going to talk about it. Pew, pew, pew. Um, I, uh, that, that felt like a, a, a conversation had amongst people who are in a long-standing relationship. Yes. It was weirdly mature um, and very sort of, I, I say casual, I think I mean comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think that goes to, um, you know, the things that Scott is kind of telling Kira about their relationship. And he's, you know, talking about the fact that Lydia used to pretend that she was a fucking idiot um, and that Styles was the only one who noticed that she was super smart because he paid attention to her. Um, and they are like so in tune with each other that they don't that that's where the comfortability comes from. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of think that there's a little bit of, like, a parallel between, like, the Styles and Lydia plot lines. Like, we kind of forget this because it happened so early in the season that Lydia does a lot of bad things to her friends under the influence of bad people. Mm -hmm. She poisons everybody with Wolfsbane when she's on her, you know, march to bring Peter back to life that she doesn't understand. Um, And I think that both of them are kind of like... I see that that is something that, you know, everybody can be, I guess, corrupted by temptation, but also anybody can be led to do anything under the assumption that what they're doing is the most right thing. And that is where they start to make, um, they, where they start to make connection where the other people around them, you know, can't kind of quite buy into that. Um, and I think that, yeah, the real honest truth is they do belong together. Do they belong together right now? No. And I think that's important. I think it's important that Stidia is a really slow burn. They have to mature into their relationship. Um, friends to lovers, baby. Enemies to friends to lovers. And he has to be like, I don't know if that's quite how it started. Um, yeah. They're in the friend stage right now. They are in the friend stage. And they, you know, it's incredible to mean that much to somebody. Yeah, that's like. Okay, as much as Styles like loves Scott, and I don't necessarily even mean this in a romantic way, although certainly it is, but like Lydia's his person. Yeah. Um and he is hers, yeah. I think. And he ends up she ends up ultimately being his motivating factor in this season after, you know, it feels like he is cut off from the people around him. Well, and they both they are both the characters who have had the experience of being completely manipulated by an outside force. Yeah. And therefore, again, understand like the sort of truth of of um, behavior that Scott can't key into, which is crazy, Mister Berserker. 
Yeah, weirdo. Um, I think that kind of ma- wraps up our main discussion. Do you want to move into Q's and O's? Yeah. Do you have any questions? Where's Peter? You know what my question is? Where did Raphael go? He literally <laughs> dipped in like one episode. Yeah, after um, after the whole I really need to see your lacrosse game. I he guess never, he no. never goes to lacrosse game. I mean, the actor might have been busy. Maybe, but it just feels, it feels so weird that but they don't even like acknowledge it. Let put, put a, le- a, a well-written handwritten letter on Scott's pillow from Raphael being like, I'm so proud of you. I had to go back to work now. Deuces. Here's $20. Love you forever. Um, well, we even- I'm going to start paying child support. <laughs> we even kind of, I mean, we get that about Derek in the beginning of the season. It's like hard to remember because they don't really bring him up, but they're like, oh, you know, Derek's away with Brayden. Good for him. Yeah. First of all. First, first mostly, where's their <laughs> spinoff? Where's their spinoff? Um, but yeah, like where is Peter? Where is he? I don't know. He was at least we know that like Tyler Hecklin is busy making that C dub money. Thank God. And Ian Bowen's on that um, Paramount show. Oh, cool. So good for him. Um, Yeah, yeah. Where's Peter? It just feels like they like that is stuff that can be expository. That is stuff where you can be like, I'll just tell you, so you don't have to question it. Instead of trying to explain the full plot of this season to me in weird dialogue between Scott and Kira in a hallway while nothing is happening. I also literally couldn't care less about electromagnetism. I don't yeah. fucking care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care at all. Um, yeah. No, that was my main question. It just felt so glaring because the like literally the end scene, one of the end scenes of season four is Peter being locked up in that cell with Dr. Valak. Yeah. Where is he? Yep. And Valak even talks about him. Yeah. Like so briefly, he just like sprinkles it in there and you're like, mm, but where is he? I miss him. I liked Dr. Valak in this episode. I don't always like him. Yeah. But it, again, when Peter's not there, other weird evil people have to fill his role. And, um, you know, a man with a third eye that he drilled into his skull to get to. He's British, right? pretty metal. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> um, any, do you, that was the last of your questions? Yeah. Do you have any observations? Um, you know, I love a good Hannibal reference. I love the supernatural Hannibal the cannibal moment that they're having. Wait, what? Um, it's like the... You know, you've come to find the answer to your problem, Clarice, you know, moment. I I love the magical Jeep. Yeah. The Jeep is magical. It just works when you need it to work Mm -hmm. and breaks down at the moments where you need to have a really serious conversation. Yeah. You mentioned that that was one of the more like spectacular pieces of magical realism in this show, because obviously the show veers far more into fantasy than magical realism. But when Mm -hmm. there is elements like that, you're like. Huh. Nice. Um, I loved the youth of the youth. I loved the use of breath and music in this episode. Um, the first couple minutes are pretty quiet. Um, oh my god! And it's There's just him breathing. No dialogue. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my first observation is just how phenomenal Dylan O'Brien is. Which, like, do we need to preach? No. You guys know he is the Teen Wolf King, baby. A king. Um, but yeah. I mean, I also, like, I fucking love when they just give an actor time to live in the moment. And we had several full scenes of watching that. And it was great. It was so good. It it solidifies a reality in the show that we are so often denied because we're busy flitting, like, fleeting through, like, 17 action scenes. And, like, we're speed racing on our notes. And, like, having those moments of silence and, um, you know, uh, confinement are so important. And I thought that that was so good. And again, Dylan O'Brien is just spectacular. And then it got ruined later with a bunch of other garbage. Well, it kind of reminded me of the scenes um, of Allison when she forgets how to, like, shoot her arrows. 
um, and where she like can't thread the needle. Um, like yeah. there's, there's pressure and there's anxiety in that, but you like really feel the weight of what her character is going through. Remember at the beginning of this episode, I was like, I kind of like this episode. And then like, <laughs> oh, well, sorry. I, I did think it looked great. Um, no, I did like this episode. Yeah. I am more frustrated with what it breeds. Um, it, it really is just like the problem of season five yeah. fully. Um, my one other, I had a couple of, I love that, um, Kira calls her our Lydia. She's yeah. like so ingratiated into the group. I thought that was super cute. Um, the tape recorder scream. Science isn't real. No. Why didn't the tape recorder break when she screamed into it? Why does the paper cup help? I don't understand. Why doesn't the glass break when she screams? But yeah, um, I. It is also fucking hilarious to me. Like I get why Doctor Valak wrote the book, but it just seems like so much effort. <laughs> Well, you and I both said this, and this is one of my observations, is that the Dread Doctors are kind of like the silence in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And I think, I remember that was the second, Matt Smith's second season, and we kept on seeing all of these promos of like Amy and Rory running around like covered in tally marks. Which is so metal. Oh, so metal. It was so much more evocative and terrifying than, and like, listen. I love 80s Pulp Fiction. I love the fact that the book that Dr. Valak wrote is like bad, like bargain bin 1980s teenager Pulp Fiction. Buy it for 50 cents. You love yeah. that. But I think <laughs> there, I think that it was like kind of trying to build on an idea that like has already at that point had been put into the genre, this genre specifically. Um, I, I do like, though, that it's, like, it triggers your memory sense. I like it, but I'm also, like... It just, again, it feels like kind of another layer onto things we have already been talking about, which is, like, the resurgence of the Nematon, yada, 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 and, like, all of these... We gotta be done with the Nematon, babes. It's been three seasons. It's, like, these re recurring consequences, but you they keep adding on to it, and it's just, like, this mess. Well, it's also just never... Has never been able to recenter itself around what no. made those seasons so emotionally engaging. Um, I keep thinking, like, about how I like... I really like the book, but I also think what would have been cooler is if it was a book that wasn't about the Dread Doctors, but had, like, a subliminal messaging thing underneath it that made you remember them. Yeah, I also just... I'm like, God, we really do have to call them the Dread Doctors. And Lame to make room fuck. in my notes, I have to call them the DDs, the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> um... Yeah, literally, they could have just called them the Doctors. Actually, I think the cooler thing would have just been, like, the Physicians. Yeah. Or... Oh, God... Once again, they should not speak English. Uh, I agree. I actually, when I was listening back to our previous episode, I was like, Julia's right. They you get one. <laughs> you get one time being right. Thank you. Um, do you have any other observations? Um, no. That's, that. I think we've covered most of them. What are yours? Well, I talked about Dylan O'Brien. King. King. Oh, the body horror in this episode was excellent. Oh, the I love anytime <laughs> there's a pipe through someone. It just looks good. And mm -hmm. there was another really gross... Oh, when... Uh, the mouth on the shoulder. The, no, when uh, Styles hits, uh, I always want to call him Dalton. His name is Donovan. <laughs> when Styles hits Donovan with the wrench. Oh, the crunch. Oh, so good. Yeah. There was another kind of really gross moment that I liked um, in the episode as well, but I, I, I can't remember. But I thought the uh, I love we love body horror. The Wendigo mouth on the shoulder. Yeah. Terrifying. No, I thought that was too lame. It was just so it gross. Was too lame. I don't like I, mouths on shoulders. Yeah, but it should have just been his actual mouth and not the hand thing. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the Stidia in this episode is great. Top tier. Yeah. Very solid. I also think the Stidia was especially set like 
apart because you're sort of having this moment where you're like, is Theo hitting on Malia? He totally is. Yeah. He's just yeah. being hot and evil. And hot she, and evil. Girl, girls like attention sometimes. I'm, I love attention when I want it. Yeah. When I want it. It's like trying to put people down being like, you have like attention seeking behaviors. Everybody seeks attention, babe. Yeah. Everybody wants attention. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A, oh, that's why I have a <laughs> Teen Wolf podcast. Literally. Any Um, I If you have an alpha of the week, please share it. I, do, I mean, I don't. Like, Scott, I guess. Scott, I guess. I mean, he carries Kira out of the... Picking up somebody who is actively electrocuting you and carrying you to safety to tell them that you love them is beautiful. It just did not fit in this episode. Metal. But it did not fit in this episode. Metal as fuck, but it yeah. should not have been in this episode. No, it was too much. Um, should we give it to Dr. Valak? I was literally about to say that. Why not? He wrote the book. He he gave... I actually think that he gave Malia her memories. Why? How? What? Because she read the book. And she didn't understand any of it. Oh, yeah. Um. So maybe his book helps you remember not just your experiences with the Dread Doctors, but any suppressed memories. I don't know. If just I, that good. I don't know if I want to read that book. I don't no. want to know what I don't know about myself. It looks bad. I well, again, I love garbage. <laughs> but um, do you want to give us our pack stats? I totally forgot about that. Yeah, pretty minimal this this uh, episode. It was we, not. A, it was not a Teen Wolfism type of episode. We had three eyes, no claws. Nobody was naked. A Toyota ad, though. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, just after I said that, the ads kind of drop off. No, yeah. there's always a good car ad. Um, and it's funny because the, the Jeep is not an ad because the Jeep is character. The, the Jeep is a character. Yeah. But the but Theo's Toyota truck. I love that knowing that Dylan O'Brien owns the Jeep. Because I would love to just be like around like LA one day and be like, <gasps> the Jeep. The Jeep. That's yeah. Styles. Not Dylan O'Brien Styles. <laughs> uh it would be a joy to see yeah i kind of wish that they had named it it's not the mystery mobile no i actually am cool with them not naming it um because i hate that the impala is called baby and i hate that the tardis doctor who is called sexy that is so i have thoughts about that and mostly that i hate it mostly that horrible moffat can can choke suck my ass Um, yeah yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Not for an extended period of time, but you know, on like a tater tot or something. <laughs> oh, the choking. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I was really confused. <laughs> Can you tell we've had a really long week? Doctor Who. Um, um yeah like i yeah i think it's cool that the jeep doesn't have a name you know what i'm giving the album of the week to the jeep (laughs) i rescind my previous answer i'm still giving it to dr valak okay (laughs) guys if you somehow liked this episode of the team i encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf, and our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. Answer the questions well at you, and you can join the discussion. If you really liked this episode, please leave us a review on Audible or iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. Um, and if you leave a review, we read it out loud on the podcast and give you a shout out on so your social media of choice. That's a true story. We, ugh, there's testimonial to back it up. Um, and if you really, really like this podcast, and we hope you did, you guys can buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Free Wolf. Uh, we're not asking, but if you want to give it, please do. 
Without further ado, I've been Christian. And I've been Julia. And uh, we really hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Oh, uh, uh, woo!